Hello and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. And I just feel like I need to take a breath with everybody. Just breathe into the heart. Oh, and just sort of exhale and throw your little grounding roots or your big ones down there in the earth. Don't forget about the one from the tailbone and just breathe in and out a little bit. My goodness, what a week, what a week, what a life, what a world, what's yeah. happening. Right? We've got a lot know. going on there, Little Rat. I know. Everyone's feeling it. And uh, big inhale, exhales. That's pretty much yeah, all Yeah, you know, um, there was a, a movie a long time ago called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And I don't remember the movie at all. I'm not recommending it. But I'm thinking, yeah, funny thing happened in the middle of 2020 or right. the beginning of 2020 or on my way to the grocery store, Ooh. you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let me, I want to go through the opening part because I have a wonderful guest and, and her name is Heather Grish and I'll, I'll officially introduce her in a moment, but I know that if you're watching on our uh, live stream that you can see her loveliness sitting there. So I don't want her just to sit there like a bump and you're, everybody's like, who's that woman? Bring her on. Right. <laughs> so she gets to sit and wait for a minute, but I, I just want to um, just from my heart to everybody's heart, just, I don't know, send some love, send some greetings, send some uh, community mindedness, some spirit mindedness. You know, we are connected. All of us are connected and our roots hold hands in the middle of the earth. So when we can remember that, we can find our place of nurturing. We can find where it is we need to go to um, put ourselves into a better place. So I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis located right here in the greater Seattle area. And I am still around. I'm in business. I am not in the office yet. I'm so, you know, not in control of that. We're here in King County. We're still in phase one. We might go to phase 1.5. And um, as soon as I'm back in, I'll let you know. In the meantime, thank goodness for Zoom. Thank goodness for the goddess Sarasvati who helped, you know, spread communication around the planet. And, um, you know, I, I, I sometimes think we just need to sing our way, sing our way down the river of life. Every week I am doing a meditation on Sunday mornings. I just simply call it Sunday Meditation with Loretta. It's at 11 a.m. every Sunday. And you can just drop in and uh, kind of, um, you know, get yourself back into center. We're also doing a lot of healing work, a lot of energy work. Uh, sending love and healing to certain things in the world and to ourselves. And, um, you know, it always begins with yourself and goes out from there. Saturday, June 20 is the Temple of the Divine Feminine. That is a Zoom class. It is working very well. And you can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. And you can sign up for appointments at schedule.reikioasis.com. My eternal gratitude to Indigo Hawk, my amazing webmaster who understands all things with technology. And I know how to work Zoom. I'm really happy. Uh, I am a listener-supported show. Thank you to all of my patrons. And if you want to help support this show, airtime on the airwaves is not free. As you all know, um, I'm coming out of uh, KKNW, 1150 out of Seattle. And I want to give a big shout out to Benny Mathers, my amazing producer. And thank you, Benny. You always make me look good and sound good. You're oh, amazing. Well, you're quite welcome. And it really doesn't take that much. You've got that covered all on your own. <laughs> 
You're so sweet. I miss you. <laughs> miss you Come too. back in. As yeah. soon as we can hug, I'm going back in. I know, That's right? All there is to it. Well, yep. I still have one, you know, size of hugs that fits all. So I mean, it just ah! spread, spread the love. This way it works. Okay, because I was trying to figure out the other day if you're on a Zoom call and you want to hug the person, you know, because. You could still virtually hug. Okay. Yeah, right. just put them out there. Everyone's doing the same thing. You just feel it, you know? Yeah, I do. I love it. So a quick astrology check-in because we're we're on our uh, roller coaster. Welcome to the wild eclipse season of June. And one of the eclipses this month hasn't happened since September 11th of 2001, which will give you an idea of the magnitude of this energy. And also we've got some some planets in in interesting positions. We've got four planets retrograde. We also have Saturn in Aquarius. And the last time that happened was during the Rodney King riots. Isn't that interesting? And the last time Pluto was in Capricorn was during the American Revolution. And Neptune was in Pisces when Rome fell. And we have all three of those going on right now. And uh, guess what? Tomorrow, we have a full moon. It's called the full strawberry moon in Sagittarius. And we also have a lunar eclipse happening with it. Oh, I have to just exhale. So this is a very powerful energy. It's it's here today. It, it's, it's the type of energy that, if we're not careful, can be very destructive because Mars is hot. And Aries and Mars are running around together and, and you know, they love a battle. But I want you to remember that there are different ways to battle things. And we have to be really, really strong right now to be able to feel our emotions and other people's emotions without get, getting pulled down by that. So remember that your no, emotions are navigational tools. They do not need to be the captain of your ship, and nor should they be. But they are messengers. They will let us know that something is out of balance. And obviously, we've got some things on planet Earth that have been here a while that need some attention. Now, this lunar eclipse on this strawberry full moon, which is in uh, 14 degrees of Sagittarius, is in a place in the sky where we have something called the Great Attractor. And in the 1970s, scientists discovered that our galaxy was being pulled towards a specific point in the universe called the Great Attractor. And it is located on the other side of the Milky Way. So it's a little hard for us to know everything going on with it. But scientists say that the Great Attractor holds the mass of over 1,000 trillion suns. That's 1,000 trillion suns. I don't know how to write that on a piece of paper. And our solar system is hurtling towards it at a speed of about 1.4 million miles per hour. We're hurtling toward it. It's sucking us toward it. It's drawing us. So this great attractor is a very powerful energy. And when we think about the laws of attraction, it is magnifying our power of attraction. So... Hmm, what do you want to attract? In the past, when Jupiter retrograde, which we have right now, was active over the great attractor, here's another lovely event, the Titanic sink. Huh. Okay, so this energy is simply asking you to think about things differently, to realize that possibly what you've been doing is not the best and healthiest thing you can do. And it's saying, well, you know, those things didn't work so good. Maybe we should pick a higher path 
and a higher way, a better way, a more cooperative way, a more feminine, masculine, holding hands way of changing this world. Martin Luther King Jr. said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So I'm encouraging everybody as we're going through this powerful time of destruction and creation. Mm -hmm. It's a remodel. What are you birthing? <gasps> what do you want to birth? <gasps> oh my goodness, Heather. Was that like a really great segue to you? <laughs> I'm so excited about that. Thank you, guides and angels. That's wonderful. So um, this is absolutely the perfect day for my guest, Heather Grish. She is author of the Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility, a natural approach to getting pregnant. And like I said, this, this is a perfect time. She is a board-certified Ayurvedic practitioner who bridges the worlds of conventional and alternative medicine to help women and men heal their physical and emotional lives. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you so much for having me, Loretta. I'm so glad. I want to show everybody your book. It's beautiful. Look at it. The Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility. Is that a good word? Can we say that? Yes, we can. And a wonderful way to get pregnant. I've got a little quote here. I want to kind of start the show. I'm just going to launch right in because we've got so many wonderful things to talk about. Um, here is a quote from the late Adrian Rich. I know of no woman who does not have a problem with her body. So, you know, you work with men and women, and of course, you're an Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, and I just want to launch right in there. Um, do, do the majority of women that you work with have some sort of a problem, either with their body or their body image or like that? Yeah, of course. And also with the menstrual cycle as well, because I noticed that when I started practicing, people weren't necessarily coming to me because they had a period issue. They were coming because they didn't feel well or they had a digestive issue or something like that. But as I dug deeper, as we do in Ayurveda, as I dug deeper, I started to notice that, oh my gosh, if a woman doesn't have a problem with her menstrual cycle, meaning a physical problem of some sort that she's complaining about, she certainly is not happy about having a period. There's something about it that is disruptive to her life or is emotionally painful. There's something really misaligned about it. So I did notice that. And I think that's actually what drew me into the book and I, I would say, obviously, as healers, you know that we oftentimes will focus on some things that we also had a problem with. And so at the time that I was studying Ayurveda in Ayurveda school, I actually was working on my own menstrual cycle because I was ah. having some health issues with it. Yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And I you know, started to notice it wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. And the other thing I noticed was the women that were going through perimenopause that I was working with at the time. So having this power or this capability or this option taken away from them, having this all of a sudden taken away from them or the promise or the potential that this was all of a sudden gonna be taken away from them. And I saw what started to happen to women who didn't have children when they went through oh. menopause, psychologically and physically. So as a person who was considering becoming a mother, 
like myself at that time that really struck me and I said wow I really have to pay attention to this because this is very powerful and I only have a limited amount of time in my life where I could utilize this part of me so that really I I would say I went at all of it with curiosity now I didn't actually write the book until I had my own child <laughs> years <laughs> later and then I wanted to say just you know you might want to think twice about this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I'm so glad you said what you said. I, I was coming from, uh, you know, I was thinking about interviewing you. Uh, uh, almost all the guests that come on my show, there's some, some sort of a, a personal thing or because I work with so many clients and I have women come to me with fertility issues for years who you know, I do Reiki and I do a lot of uh, clearing work in order to try to help them. But I also am seeing a lot of women having babies later, thinking yeah. about pregnancy later, and really, really concerned about all areas of that from can my body do it to good Lord, my, I'll be, you know, 70 when my child's five or something, right? You know, like there's a lot of things to think about. Um, I know that you had your, your baby when you were 40, is Turning that correct? 40. Turning yeah, 40. the year I turned 40. Yeah, and that is a big deal. And women are waiting later now, and it's become this really big challenge because if you're 28 right now and you work for one of these competitive tech companies, they're offering you the ability to freeze your eggs because the women that came before you and the you know, mini generation right before you, they all waited a long time and had problems, not all of them, but like the educated women, the, the educated yes, women yes. are the ones having a problem with it yeah, because they're getting yeah. so into their career. Yeah. And so you have these younger women that are going, oh my gosh, I don't have a partner yet. My life's not where I want it to be. I really want to, you know, boost my career. I'm 20 years old. I should freeze my eggs now. And then you start to see your friend doing it. I should freeze my eggs now. And so I, that really scared me when I started to see that because like you were saying earlier, what do we have to do that or look at in our lives that we have to improve? And I'm big on mother nature and listening to mother nature and honoring mother nature. And, you know, we do have a very set period as women in our life where it's possible optimally possible to have a child you can certainly tinker with it through medical science you certainly can tinker with that but yeah go ahead no i'm i'm just thinking um number one i love your honesty and your openness because this really is the conversation that that we need to have and i think women need to have it um you know, and, and everything, even from our, our menses, our menstruation, you know, we have been made to feel, I mean, I, I, I'm older than you, right? And I remember being a child and, and then I wasn't even really told anything, right? It was this big secret. And all of a sudden this thing happened and I thought I was dying. And my mother was like, well, no, this is what you do. And oh, by the way, it happens every month. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, right? And then we would, she would call it the curse, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, now the curse is that. here, yeah. right? We had quite oh. the thing around it. And um, it was never okay to have cramps or to have PMS. Um, 
you know, and, and there was a general idea that if your periods were irregular, you should go on birth control pills, right? Yep. Yep. And, you know, that's, that's the era that I grew up in. And, and, and so we're, we're talking about these things, but I'm, I'm wondering, um, and I've wondered this for a while, so I'm just going to ask you this question. My questions might be a little bit out of order, but um, I don't know if there's an order to it, but are, are women still in tune with the cycles and is it important to be in tune with the cycles? Women, you know? yeah, as long as you're on the pill, no. The answer is no, because the pill tricks your body into thinking it's pregnant via a hormone that you're taking. So how you were going to be naturally without the influence of this very strong third-party uh, domination of your reproductive hormones uh, you know, basically you don't know how you are naturally. And in fact, it's kind of a cop-out. And when, you know, I was on the pill for many years and I went on it because that's what you do. You don't want to get pregnant. And so if you're sexually active as most, most women are sexually active before they're 19 years old, yeah. that's the data. So if you're, you know, if you don't want to get pregnant, which no one does, because that's not the norm in our culture to get pregnant when you're biological mechanisms start you know it's not socially acceptable and it's not you know emotionally and mature you know you're not really quite mature enough to handle a lot of that at the time but it's really challenging for women to deal with that energy so they go on the pill and so that they don't have to worry about getting pregnant because gosh if you got pregnant that would ruin your life gosh that would ruin your life you know <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So there's that, but the part you were talking about, especially with going on the pill because you have a medical condition, because you have acne or because your periods were painful, that is not dealing with the problem. And I had a gynecologist, you know, also recommend to me once, oh, if you don't want to get your period because you just don't want to deal with it, just keep taking the pill. You don't ever have to have your period. Just keep taking the pill. That was a gynecologist that I was on jury duty with once. She told me that. I remember. Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I had a, a client a couple of years ago who came in and, and we were talking about fertility and she shared with me that she's on some kind of a, I don't know if it's a pill or a shot and she, she just doesn't have a period. Yeah, that can happen. Exactly. And so yeah. we're allowing ourselves to get totally hijacked instead of looking at what is going on that's causing me to have the acne what is going on with my period that makes it hurt so bad is there a way to undo these patterns and that's obviously why i love ayurveda so much because to me it's the medicine that i found helps people do that you know we have the luxury of not being in the mainstream medical system we can actually spend time with a person we can take a full health history we can find out everything that happened to them back all the way to age five or whenever, you know, there certain things in their health started to get influenced. So I love that part. Are we connected with the moon, right? There's mm -hmm. this big thing about women and the moon. And if your periods are getting hijacked by the pill, the answer is no. Now there is a movement happening. Mm -hmm. So I think for a long time, it all, it comes up for a woman when she decides she wants to have a kid or she starts to get curious about it. So there's a couple events that will trigger getting off the train, the mm -hmm. birth control pill train. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds 
sounds like the name of a song. <laughs> exactly. Birth control fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So there's a couple, there are a couple of events that will happen. One is she's thinking about having a kid, and that might happen happen in her early 30s and or mid 30s or whatever. Okay. Maybe when late 30s and then she's really freaking out. Or there's a health issue that's coming up where she's like, oh, I heard that this is a side effect of the pill. So those are kind of the two events, I would say, that trigger getting off the pill once you get on it, which is interesting because a lot of Americans, at least the ones that I've worked with, I'm so amazed when people, I look at their pharmaceuticals that they've been on, an antidepressant, they've been on Wellbutrin for 20 years, they've been on Zoloft for 15, whatever, however many years it's been around. It's like once someone gets on a drug, there's really not an attempt made to get off the drug in many cases. It's like people automatically shift their paradigm and think, I can't fix this. I can't solve it. I can't change it. And they say, I need this thing in order for me to get by with my life. And the thing that's interesting about the pill is that they do get off of it because mm -hmm. they know that there's something else that they want that they can't get if they, as long as they stay on that. I, I'm thinking um, logistics. Okay, so let's, let's say that I'm, you know, 38 or 42 or something. I'm somewhere in that time frame, And I've been, you know, I've been in a career and I've been dealing with like what you said, like, gosh, I'd kind of like a baby, but a baby would really mess things up. And, you know, I'm on this career path and now all of a sudden my biological clock is running. Right. <clears throat> and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, if I'm ever going to do this thing, I need to do it. But I've been on birth control and I've been on this stuff. So what is, I would assume this is where people need to come see you, right? Yeah, like, we, do, like, yeah. yeah. we do a lot of cleansing to, you know, generally, if you stop doing something, your body will in time work itself out. Now, there are certain exceptions to that, but generally, you know, if you've kind of taken something too far down a disease pathway, for example, sometimes it's a little hard to unwind without a little bit of help. Uh, so, but, you know, if you want it to happen faster, you want to get the chemicals out, you want to unwind the blockage that you created, uh, then you can do a cleanse and that's common. And I'd spent, I would say probably two years doing that after I got off the pill personally. And so, you know, it's it, not to say necessarily that it would take mm -hmm. that long for everyone. For me, <clears throat> for me personally, I was, I had some, you know, issues like you when, you know, I was 12 and suddenly had this thing happen to me. You know, my hormones obviously were not balanced at the time. From my look back, the way I look back and say, wow, that was not functioning properly. And then when I got off the pill, the same problem was there. So, uh, yeah. yes, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because you didn't really address the problem, you just masked it. Exactly. Put a, put a Band-Aid on it. So when you remove the Band-Aid, yeah, yeah. Whatever was there came back up, of course. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, women are waiting longer. They're freaking out once they decide to do it. And there's so many social, there are so many social factors for this. And, uh, and certainly maybe some of my tone feels like, man, women, we're really screwing up. But I don't think we are. I mean, we are in a way sort of not honoring ourselves the way we could. That's certainly true. But 
it's also, we're not alone in the universe. We are part of an environment. And in fact, the word for uterus in Sanskrit, which is the language that all the Ayurvedic texts are written in, the word for uterus is kshetra. And that word means, you're going to love this, a place where a person will make a pilgrimage to. Oh. Oh. Right. Well, I just love that. Of course. Yeah. Which, which brings in the sacredness, you know, which we haven't even even talked about really yet but the sacredness i um there's a lot in what you're saying especially this connection with nature and um benny i think it's it's a good time for us to take our break and my guest today is heather grish and her book uh, the ayurvedic guide to fertility i'm just going to show it right here and also so you can see the spelling of her name you know if you're out there and you've been thinking about having a baby or fertility or even about your own health. Um, I, I just recommend you get her book already. And then this is Loretta Brown, owner of Reiki Oasis. And we're gonna take a break. And when we get back, we're gonna talk more about the connection with nature and nurture and how, what do we do? What do we do from here? So anyway, we'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. This message is from the National Council on Aging. Adults over age 60 are at higher risk for the COVID-19 coronavirus because they may have weaker immune systems or chronic health conditions. The Centers for Disease Control recommends older adults avoid crowds and people who are sick. Wash your hands and disinfect surfaces often. Keep a two-week supply of food and medicine on hand. Learn more at ncoa.org. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Too easy. Too that was easy. <laughs> Benny, I loved it. Thank you so much. No problem. I don't know what was going on in the 90s, but that's good. Yeah. A lot of that, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that was my era. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, of teenage years, I wasn't trying to get pregnant then, certainly. Oh, yeah, we're the same age. That was Color Me Bad. I remember, you yeah. know, wallflowering, checking out the ladies, checking out the guys. Yeah, they came out. Yeah, yeah. There yeah, it is. it's funny. When I wrote a book about fertility, I was like, oh, I guess I got to talk about sex, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and obviously fertility, it, fertility is a complicated thing because you can be fertile without wanting to have a baby. So... Fertility is not about wanting to have a baby. Fertility is about having a body that is receptive to that possibility. Uh-huh. 
of having a baby. And that's all about your good health and the good health of your body, your reproductive channels, everything like that. Having a body that is receptive. I think that's the key tag right there. And there's so many things that could affect why the body would not be receptive to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Like the, and it's interesting because I, you know, I'm really into yoga. I was a yoga teacher for a long time and. Well, let's do some right now. I need yeah, it right exactly. <laughs> It's kind of interesting because creative energy is very complicated. It, when we, try to de-stress, for example, in our lives, we're oftentimes using uh, methods that we refer to in Ayurveda that are santarpana, which means uh, nourish, uh, like pleasant, and they feel good. These are the therapies that feel good, but there are also therapies that are asantamparna um, that do not feel good. And each of them has a purpose and a function, functionally, whether or not they feel good is something different, right? Because we're talking about moving matter. When we're creating people, we're talking about moving matter around, reshuffling it and things like that. So whenever there's a loss, there's always a pain. Whenever there's a gain, there's always a pleasure until we gain so much that there becomes pain, obviously, as in yes. or something like that. Mm -hmm. metabolic issues mm -hmm. so creativity in general is complicated fertility is complicated like why is shiva why is shiva associated with creativity you know why why well, obviously saraswati as well but why why are these kind of destructive forces related to that and so when i was researching for my book and I actually found this data point earlier when I was in grad school, when I was writing my master's thesis on fasting. So I found this data that showed the birth rates in all the countries on planet earth. Okay, so I see all the developed countries, the US, Japan, Europe, Canada, etc. Our birth rates are really low. But if you looked at the birth rates in a lot of the warring countries or the countries that have famine, Yemen, Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, their birth rates are through the roof. So what is it that's happening? And I, you know, we could probably come up with a lot of theories about it. And I can't say that I know the reason, but maybe it has something to do with this principle of destruction and creation mm -hmm. happening. We will find a way, you know, there's always a creative energy coming through. We know that's the unseen force. We can't, you know, we see the after the what comes after the creative energy. Mm -hmm. We don't see it. We don't see that energy. We we see the after effect of it, or we feel that energy, and we see the after effect of it. So, what is it that's changing the matter on the earth? And so, when this pandemic started, I said, "Are we going to see a baby boom? If all these people are leaving the planet, are we also going to see a baby boom?" And I don't know because. People are scared and we have a lot of tools. Women now have a lot of tools to block it. The, I did hear that the birth control, uh, prescriptions for birth control have increased oh. since the pandemic started. Okay. Yep, so that has happened. And I don't know the magnitude of it, but I am, I'm hearing that. 
And also to have a baby right now to go into a hospital and you can't bring your partner with you when you have a baby because they have been limiting the amount of people that can go and you when go with the hospital, um, go to the hospital with you, or you're afraid to get COVID in the hospital. So there's a, a reshuffling that's happening. Their home births are increasing a little bit. Women signing up for that because they don't want to go into the hospitals and get COVID. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. so there's this weird, mm -hmm. and so if you want to change to happen, this is, it's happening. I mean, for regardless of the reason and regardless that of whether it feels good or feels bad, it's happening. There's a, there's a great reshuffling happening. So maybe some of the things that will come out of this will actually be really good for women. Um, you know, I found data that said, cause I was like, let's predict the baby boom. That's what the, where my brain was going, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when there's a natural disaster, let's try to compare what we're experiencing now to a natural disaster, which it really isn't because it's, it's different. But if there's a hurricane or a storm, the birth rates will go up if there is a mild storm, but in one where it's very severe, the birth rates tend to go down. And so I started to speculate when I saw that, that maybe it has to do with whether or not people are moving around because if you're moving around, your home life gets disrupted versus if you can shelter at home. You know, if, if you have a severe storm, your home, you know, you have flooding, you know, there's a greater disruptor. But when there's a mild storm, everybody's kind of hunkering down together, <laughs> right? And that's mm -hmm. when you, you get men mm -hmm. and women in the same room, you know what happens <laughs> when, when the spirit moves you. It's that. It's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there's a really, you know, there's a, a Pearl Jam song, since you're in the Seattle area, there's a Pearl Jam song that's really new. And, and one of the lines in it is stand back when the spirit comes. It's this <laughs> song called Dance of the Clairvoyance. You'll have to look it up later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really great. And he's like, stand back when the spirit comes. And that's how fertility is. And that's why it's so interesting that we, yeah, okay, it's certainly possible to put actions into place to try to control it freeze the eggs, you know, be on the ovulation strip or whatever we do as women to try to control it. But at the end of the day, it is not our choice. And that's yeah. really frustrating, I think, because, and it brings up a lot of those big questions about life and God and spirit or whatever you want to call it, because it, you know that you can't make it happen. Right. Right. The best laid plans. Yeah. yeah. I had a, a woman a, f a few years back who had this idea that um, she was going to somehow she had figured out a month, like she's work, 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 work. And then I'm going to get pregnant and then, you know, work and then I'll have a baby and then back to work. You know, it was like this organized thing. And I thought, how, how are you going to do that? I don't Yeah. <laughs> And also when I start to see that, I get really nervous because once you have a child, like if you can't create space in your life now for a baby, <laughs> how, how are you going to do it once the baby is here? How are you going to do it to, to really be the emotional guide as women are for their children? And to me, you know, we could talk about all things in society, but 
we know the kids aren't doing well right now. Mm-hmm. They're really not. With yeah. the, the level of anger and rage and attention issues, the autism rates, we have a generation of kids right now that they're suffering. And part of my motivation in me personally, when I decided to have a child, I wanted to think longer term. I wanted, to, and, and also with this book, like I know that if I can get to a woman and teach her how to love mother nature and how to learn about how her body works, you know, when you have a baby, when you're sitting there and your baby's two weeks old or a month old and you're sitting there going, I don't want to kill the baby because everything you do, you're worried the baby's going to die. You've never done this before. You're freaking out unless you have maybe help at home with you, people who've done it before, but you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to kill the baby. And you're afraid of everything that's going on. But if you learn about Ayurveda, which is the science of life, where we study how the body functions, you don't need thoughts and words for that. And so when you look at a baby, you can see, oh, the poop looked like that. The poop happened with that frequency the kids peeing, uh, you know, you can see the biological indicators of what health are, you know, you can see them. So I love this. Uh, I want you to, uh, I, I'm thinking to myself while you're talking that, yeah, like I really, I, I really am kind of pushing your book a little bit, but to, to read the Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility, um, and my guest is Heather Grish, for those of you just tuning in, um, I'm thinking to myself how very important it would be right now while people are at home to number one, take a look at their own body. I want to talk about the doshas in a moment, right? And, and then take a look at their kids. And we know that what we eat, we know that our environment, we know our emotional state, we know all of these things affect our health. They affect our mental health, right? Yeah. And, um, I'm really getting the idea from you that Ayurveda can really be an answer to many, many things and help us get back into balance, not only with ourselves, but with nature. So I don't know where you want to jump in. Yeah. With that. I mean, I'll tell you as a parent, my kids started preschool and whenever I went to look at preschools, I, one of the questions that I asked was how many of the kids have severe allergies here? Because it's through the roof. And it's pretty scary. And if a school had a lot of allergies, I was le- I didn't want to go there, to be honest. Because mm. to me, when, when a, allergies in Ayurveda are what we call, you mentioned the doshas, uh, allergies are a, an indicator that there is an imbalance of the fire element in the body so allergies are a sign of a, an imbalance in the body. And we believe in Ayurveda that imbalances can be changed. They can be changed. And as humans, we get very comfortable with little niggling things that bother us or that we know are not right intuitively because we have a meeting to go to. We have the responsibilities of the world and of our conditioning that is programmed or we have to pay our bills. And I'm not saying, you know, we're missing these things for because we're bad people or we're we're missing these things. We're missing these things because we're distracted by things that are not the biological indicators of health. 
and that's life and that's society. And yes, I know we all have to live there and we have to learn this other piece that somehow got missing when we started to put work and all of our life responsibilities and the things that we feel we need to please other people or whatever the reason, we have to put the biological indicators of health back in the picture. We have to learn we to read them. To and that's why we have to learn to read nature. And that's what Ayurveda taught me above anything else. Because, you know, I, I was really into yoga. I had a meditation practice every day for six years. You know, I was really, really into that. But Ayurveda, the moment I learned about it, maybe this is how it was with you in astrology, even we all find our thing, right? Mm -hmm. That helps us tap into that intuitive part of us where we can really pay attention and think both big and small at the same time, or think both inner and outer at the same time, whatever that, or, or to find our heart, because maybe that's really what we're all missing. You know, it's interesting, the word for consciousness in Sanskrit um, is chetana, and it's, it's associated with the heart, it's in the heart. So when you think about being smart, you think about being conscious, we often think about it here in the mm -hmm. brain, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm there's a different one in the heart. I don't know. Is that empathy? Is that, what is that? Right. So we have to start doing a better job paying attention to that. So Ayurveda provides, I think a really easy way to do that. That's very intuitive. I live with a guy who's a PhD in biomedical science with a lot of brain power in my house. Okay. He's an inventor. The, yeah. So I have an appreciation for the complex and I also have an appreciation for the simple. And to me, I said, wow, I need to learn about anatomy and physiology and all these little parts. God, it feels like it's going to take forever to learn that. But somehow Ayurveda was really simple and allowed me to like tap in a lot easier. So let me talk about the doshas because I know you mentioned those. So each type of imbalance in the body in Ayurveda, which is a system of medicine that comes from India, it's 5,000 years old, each imbalance or each disease even comes from one of three types of imbalances. It could come from one of them or more than one combined. And the first category is uh, the air and the space elements. And that's vata, that word vata. So vata means that which moves. Vata is intangible. Vata, vata, people that have a lot of vata are difficult. They're very ethereal. They're difficult to, to grasp. They really do change things because they're so different. They're a little odd <laughs> in biologically. And that can translate out into the personality as well, because the macrocosm and the microcosm are obviously related. But a vata body will have a lot of dryness, roughness. There may be some emaciation taking place unless there are some other doshas um, involved with it. And there are stages of life even. We all, as we get older, get more vata. We all get more dry. Our skin gets more thin. Mm -hmm. It's the destructive energy when we have too much of it. But when we have it in the right amounts, it's enlivening. It makes us dance, right? It's this, Maybe it's the spirit that moves us, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. So vata, but, but if a person has too much of it, they're going to experience anxiety. They're going to experience uh, dryness. They're going to experience degenerative conditions. All the degenerative conditions are associated with that. It's mm -hmm. that lack of juice in the body, that love, that juice, 
in the body so that there's not a mixing the the information in the body can't mix as much things can go haywire in a body that has a lot of that but like i said you want you want you want these doshas you just want them in the right amount so the word dosha actually means that which can go out of balance mm, okay. yeah so air and space elements dryness and so like that might translate in a woman's menstrual cycle she might not be getting her period Mm. think about the ah. women who run who yes. run marathons and things like that or yes. anorexia yes. things like that you you lose that functionality so that's the first category the second category is uh pitta and pitta is the fire and the water element combined and when i think of pitta i think of lava hot it's hot the word pitta means that which cooks and I think we have a lot of this actually going on right now. Uh -huh. That's what I was just thinking. That's why I was nodding my head going, whoa. Yeah. Now, maybe the peaceful protestings are, they're holding the lava. Maybe they're holding it. And then the rioters are not. They're like torching everything. Yeah. yeah. So that it's that fire energy and water energy. And it's very penetrating. And again, you want that in your body, but you want it in the right amounts because it will burn you and all the inflammatory conditions and also allergies where there's, um, there's a lot of redness, red skin, acne, uh, um, women, because it's a blood thing, it's like hot blooded, you know, I'm hot blooded, right? So it, when you have a lot of pitta, you, you know, it's, it's like boiling inside. And it's funny because we all have sort of a constitutional te tendency for these things. For example, growing up, all my friends, they would, you know, wash their hair every day. I had a lot of Pitta friends, apparently, because Pitta, people with a lot of Pitta have oily hair. Uh, yeah. Uh. And so I would think, okay, I have to wash my hair every day, like all my friends do, but I didn't mm -hmm. have that kind of constitution. My hair never was oily. In fact, I could go a week or a week and a half without washing my hair without it getting oily, unless I was like exercising a lot or something and sweating. Yeah. But yeah, so that pitta energy means pitta, that word means that which cooks. So like you can make ceviche with a citrus fruit and fish, you can have that citrus fruit cook the fish. It's that kind of sour, warm, acidic energy. So that's mm -hmm. Pitta. Mm -hmm. Whole host of conditions associated with that. And temperaments, anger, irritability, things like that. The third category of imbalances or the doshas uh, is uh, Kapha. And Kapha is the function of kapha, because it's water and earth elements, the function of kapha is to lubricate and to build. So all the matter that we see around us in the world, structures, cells, muscles, fat, everything that is a thing that's physical is very kapha. But a person who has a lot of kapha, they'll just have a wet, more wet body than other people or their body will move slower than other people, or they'll be really calm and loving. They might be the people that you wanna hug when you're upset. And that, that loving energy can also become sort of debilitating because so much love can actually lead to sort of being stuck. 
-hmm. and attached and things like that. And so cancers and tumors and warts and cysts and skin tags and things that grow are associated with that as are like super wet conditions. And it's funny when you think about these, these types, you basically have a situation where you know we're all different when we're born. You can see it and you could line up three people or four people or 10 people and give them all the same food and their bodies will do something completely different to it. And I think this is the challenge of humans because we have these lovely things called mirror neurons where we learn from each other. And we want to learn about who we are as individuals and how, how do we really learn to live in a way that's best for us that is not you know, just copying what everybody around us is doing. So I know I've been talking for a long time, but to me, that's really the key with about learning the doshas is that you start to, once you can see them and you start to evaluate them functionally in your body, you start to understand why you're different than other people, yeah. why you have to be different than other people, and that it's okay for you to do things that are different than other people. I love what you said because so many times, um, yeah, I, I like people say, what's wrong with me? This seems to work for everybody else, but it's not working for me. And uh, I think it's important to know our doshas um, in your, in your book, right? Cause I'm yeah. making sure people know <laughs> yeah. um, you do talk about it and you talk about the imbalances and sort of how to, how to go about that. And, you know, we're, we're very briefly touching on, because your book is really good. I, I recommend people read it. Even if you're not trying to get pregnant, you're definitely birthing a new life and, and a new health. And uh, I think that, you know, it's good to take a look at that. But to understand your own uniqueness, um, we are, uh, we're getting close to the, I think we still got five minutes or so. Um, and there's so much we could say about the doshas, but I want to ask you a couple of questions, Ben, and they're really because I have clients who uh, would want to know what do we, you touched on a little bit earlier about the freezing of eggs. What does Ayurveda say about the freezing of eggs and how long can a frozen egg be good? <laughs> yeah, that's super tricky because, uh, when I, when the ancient Ayurvedic texts were written, which is what a lot of Ayurveda that is practiced today in the world is based on these ancient Ayurvedic texts. Now we're trying to, uh, I would say, get more into research and prove that it works and, you know, get the evidence base going and things like that. So there's that piece. There is a little bit of a, um, a trust in the ancient with Ayurveda, right? So we're trusting an agent. They didn't have the ability to freeze eggs. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was gonna say, where did they freeze eggs? What, what? <laughs> but okay, so for what I know, and this is why it is important, we have to know modern science as well. What are they doing when they freeze an egg? You know, they believe that they have been able to create a way that arrests that cell in time that allows it to continue to function after it's thawed, if you will, <laughs> you know, and they're using chemicals and temperature and things like that to do that. So do we know what the impact of that is? I, I really can't tell you, you know, I think there's a little bit of data that shows that the autism rates are a tiny bit higher with IVF babies. Uh, but I think it's probably a little bit early to tell. And I don't know that anybody has really put together the kind of study to look at that. The other thing I would say about that is there's also a, a social component to the individual who is choosing to take that path versus the individual who's choosing to take the natural path. 
and the the way that they live their lives is a lifestyle component to that so you can't discount that piece but you know as far as modern science says it seems like they feel they do have a way to do it safely um i know i know people myself who have been born from ivf children and adults at this point you know i had one client who was actually um and uh, a sperm, she had a sperm donor, uh, she was a sperm donor baby, you know, and, and it was interesting, she had to tell me something about her health history, and she actually had to go into, uh, she, she didn't, she had to find something out about her health, because the sperm bank contacted her mother. Oh, oh. Like your donor had something very significant in his health, and we're, we're letting all of his 16 children. Oh, no. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, don't know. I yeah. would say Ayurveda probably doesn't know and and can't really have an opinion on that. But uh I would say it's really about the big picture of, of the body. And when you have a body that is older, for example, because it's a lot of older women doing it, there are implications with that. You know, you're bound you're not you can't bounce back as easily when you have a kid when you're older. So they're yeah. I'm yeah. also thinking that, you know, because your whole approach with Ayurveda is uh, get, get this healthy, right? You know, like address the imbalances in your body and really prepare that, that, as you say, the uterus to be the receptor to receive the one journeying here and, and, and create a, a, a fertile field or do the best that you can with all of that. Um yeah. I'm going to jump around. What's a sex fast? Oh, a sex why, fast. Why yeah. would we ever do that? <laughs> I wrote about that in the book. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm obsessed with fasting because I wrote my master's thesis on fasting. So uh, I think anything, and also because I'm a yogi, right? And so the practice of brahmacharya, I remember brahmacharya is like essentially what priests do, you know, abstaining from sex. And in, when you're taught the Ashtanga yoga system, which is what a lot of the yoga the yoga teachers in the U.S. have been taught, it's the philosophical system of yoga that you get taught along with the um, physical stuff. And I was really mad. I was like, "You can't tell me not to have sex," you know. And it really triggered me because I grew up Catholic. <laughs> So we are, believe it or not, at the end of our time. I've got 25 questions oh, wow. I still wanted to ask you. Yeah. So um, uh, this is Loretta Brown. My guest today is Heather Grish. And uh, her book, The Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility, A Natural Approach to Getting Pregnant, and also a great way to get yourself healthy and your kids. Um, thank you, Heather, so much for being on the show. And blessings to you and to everybody out there wanting to create new life. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it well. Thank you so much. Yeah, Blessings, thanks. everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>